Let's move beyond your comfort zone and into your genius zone because it's time to tap into the higher wisdom within you, your higher genius. I'm your host, Christy Turley, author of the book, The Intuition-Led Business, serial entrepreneur and intuitive intelligence expert. Imagine the possibilities when you can make better decisions and create practical and sustainable solutions using the power of your intuition, your higher genius. This is the Higher Genius Podcast. So this episode is going to be really interesting because we're going to be blending a couple of different metaphors. We're going to have sports psychology metaphors. We're going to have military metaphors and how all of that actually applies to business mindset and motivating people, whether they're people on your team or your customers or yourself, actually. So tell us a little bit about your background, Jeremy, and how you got started in this work. So in grad school, I studied sports psychology, which essentially looks at getting your thoughts, energy, attention, where they need to be to perform at an optimal level. And in this field, you start to realize not only could this have helped me in athletics, but these concepts apply to anyone in any profession. Uh, we are humans at nature and how we think impacts how will we perform and how we operate within the world and how we interact with other people. And so from grad school, I worked as a personal trainer and ran a weight loss program for a few years. And then I had a chance to work with the military uh, as a contractor a company that has a, a government contract with the military training uh, sports psychology, performance psychology, and resilience, which was just a, a phenomenal experience. And besides that experience, I've also traveled to all 50 states, speaking with 200 entrepreneurs about lessons learned and entrepreneurship. And, and besides that, just lifelong learner and, and reader and, and just taking in content everywhere I can. And an all around good guy. <laughs> so oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's talk about some of these top sports psychology principles that you teach in your work uh, when it comes to leadership. I know you also teach soldiers how to shoot better, which takes a whole other level of mindset skill. So uh, where do you feel called to start talking about first? Like you have so much we could cover today. Well, and uh, happy to talk about it. I'll give a couple overview and probably just start with one and we'll navigate from there. Okay. Some of these skills are very natural things that we know about. Like confidence. Hey, you have to be confident to perform well. Uh, attention control, focusing. We know you need to focus, but what does that truly mean? Energy management. Do you need to have more energy and get really excited or really calm down? Are you able to modulate as necessary? Goal setting. Uh, setting goals matters, as we know, and motivation within goal setting can be imperative. And then imagery. And by imagery, you might have heard her as visualization before. Essentially, it's recreating or creating an experience in the mind. So you're imagining something and it's creating this mental movie, if you will. And so all of this is based on research, which is great. It's not just Jeremy's thoughts on it necessarily, but the research itself. And the one area that I've gravitated towards since my undergrad was imagery. This idea of like 
what can I think and how does this movie I have of myself, how can that lead to higher performance? And so since you had mentioned marksmanship out of the gate here, that's something that I've been out on the range before and essentially you have all these soldiers waiting around for their turn. And sometimes people go out, fire, they come back, they didn't do so well. And so whether it's those that failed or those that are waiting, uh, numerous times I've got them to partake in imagery. And so what that means is I'll get them like out of the bleachers. And with the military, they have to shoot prone, supported, which means their weapon is resting on an object. And then prone, unsupported, which means it's not resting on an object. And then kneeling. So I have them go through the motions, except instead of shooting rounds, uh, their weapons are empty. They're aiming into bushes and they imagine the process. And so they understand I'm going to shoot 40 rounds and they get practice before they go up and actually perform. This gives them an opportunity to regulate their thoughts, to regulate their energy levels, to make sure their focus is where it needs to be, to understand how does it feel? How hot is it? Is it blistering hot? Or is it cloudy? Is it rainy? What's the weather? Like, get used to it. Get comfortable, familiar with that experience. And if they do that four or five times, by the time they go out there, they've already had five repetitions. And so naturally, they're going to perform at a higher level. And it's just a joy to see when they come back and report, hey, I did much better that time. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, I mean, how, how would you teach an entrepreneur to, to utilize this? Like, what's the practical application for an entrepreneur? Yeah, so granted, entrepreneur is you know, so broad and there's so many possibilities. I think with imagery, it's going to come to more that technical aspect. If you think about uh, an entrepreneur, it has to be that technical person, the manager and the entrepreneur in, in growing their business. A lot of times it's, what's the technical part? Are you going to go on a sales call? Like, how's that going to go? Are you, are you cold calling and just walking in somewhere? How are you going to say hello? How are you going to position yourself? How, how's that conversation going to go where you can put your best foot forward? If you're making a phone call, make an email, like anticipate how you want things to go and how you're going to modulate yourself if that person says, I don't want it. Okay, well, like plan that, play that out. What does that look like? You can have a dialogue back and forth anticipating common answers, especially uh a lot of times, if you're making a cold call or sales call, it's not the only one you're ever going to make. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a numbers game. And so you can start to get frequent answers from people and look to anticipate those and refine your responses to best meet them. And maybe you're meeting someone that's busy or someone that wants to actually have a casual chat before you get into things. So you can look to adjust and modulate yourself as necessary uh, in that moment. For my yeah. one example... My brother is more of an engineer machinist. For him, he has to program a machine to make a part and things get really expensive quickly if it goes bad. So for him, it's using this imagery to anticipate, hey, if I make this program this way, how's the machining gonna go? Is it gonna go how I think it is or is something bad gonna happen? And can I catch it before you know, it costs me several hundred dollars? Yeah, I love that. It's, yeah, it's the what if. It's the what if this, what if that and playing it out in your mind and role-playing is, it's huge. Like in, for sales calls, you know, it's like practicing different types of clients or different kinds of personality types is a great example. 
So, or even rehearsing what you're going to say to your team when you have to announce something that might go astray a little bit, it might not be the best of news or a keynote speech for that matter. So yeah, that's really, really great. So uh, yeah, give us another one. What's another principle? Oh, pardon me, I can elaborate so much more, but that's the nature of <laughs> it. I would like to hit, like you are prompting me to hit a few different ones yeah. uh, for people. You can go deeper you if you want. Yeah, you can go deeper. Uh, well, I think your example of the keynote is great. Uh, anytime a, a keynote, you can rehearse your speech again and again. You can give your speech a hundred times. And then the, the one time that matters, you've had that a hundred times of perfect practice, exactly mm-hmm. known when you're going to pause, when you're going to emphasize something, when you're going to look around, all those little variables and factors uh, to make it powerful. But to move on to the next one, confidence. I think confidence is something that we all know is important. You got to be confident. I, I am confident, but are you confident across the board in all areas? And if I prompt people, they usually have an idea of where they get confidence from. Uh, past experience, right? If I have experience doing something, that, that can make me feel confident. Even past experience doing something else, I can still leverage to then be confident, right? And that's very powerful. And people usually go there first with confidence, which makes sense. And it doesn't really matter if it was a success or a failure. If you've done it, you learn from it, if you're willing to learn from it, that is. And that can help you boost your confidence. But so too can understand there's something called vicarious experience. And this is kind of that uh, living vicariously through your child. Uh, that's a bad way where a parent tries to live through their child, right? It could be good, like going to Disneyland and seeing the world through their eyes or something, right? <laughs> what a great point. Yes, you're so correct. On that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I think my connotation tends to be negative, but yes, yeah. so well said on the perception there. So if Vicarious just says, hey, if someone else can do it, who is somewhat similar to me, then I can do it. If I see someone else thriving and succeeding, then I can do it. And that can be more specific too. Now, this doesn't mean... Uh, I could look at someone the best in the world and think I could be at their level. Like I could look at Usain Bolt run 100 meters. I, as Jeremy, am not going to run that fast. Not going to happen. <laughs> so that's that isn't as effective as seeing someone that's more of my peer level and a task that I want to do. But that being said, if I see someone else succeeding, then I can learn from their experience and then be able to have, be more confident going into that as well. Related to that is, how am I feeling just physically? I think this is one of the things that we take for granted, except for when things aren't going well. When you are very sick, you have a stomach bug, you ate something bad, you're probably not feeling confident to take on the world. (laughs) It's, hey, let me stay at home and let me not see anyone, talk to anyone, or do anything. So when we are healthy, we can leverage that. And especially those that work out and understand how to push themselves day in and day out and have this physical health, that is a source of confidence that can help you feel confident and a sense of pride in yourself. And then finally, we have persuasion. And persuasion is a two for one. I can encourage you, Christy, you got this. Come on, I believe in you. I trust in you. You can get it. And all of a sudden you start to feel a little more confident, like, okay, this is kind of nice. This is fun. Someone's supporting me. Someone believes in me. But it doesn't have to be based on someone else. You have your own thoughts. I can do this. I can push myself. I'm capable. 
I have what it takes to get the job done. So you can use persuasion from yourself. And so what's nice is that these four areas, experience, vicarious experience, physical state, and persuasion, each one of them really just depends on my perception. Like, how do I think about those? Am I leveraging those in a way that's going to build confidence? And if I have four areas, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I can tap into four areas of confidence, modulate my amount of confidence to get myself where I need to be to perform at optimal level. And again, it doesn't matter if I'm on the range. It doesn't matter if I'm giving a keynote, making a sales call, talking to my employees, hiring a new employee for the first time. I can be confident, which is going to help me to thrive. Yeah, that's really great. Those four, those four components, I feel like you could spend a couple of days just talking about that and unraveling that. Yeah, it gets really exciting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what a level of mastery for sure. So talk to me about motivating people, you know, whether it's people on your team or uh, customers, you know, we were talking offline about this example of uh, telling people to calm down. It's like, no, wrong phrase. Like that's the last thing someone wants to do when they hear the word, words calm down, right? No, you calm down. So um, obviously that's the, the wrong way to motivate people, but a lot of people's go-to method. So talk, talk to me about motivation. And Regarding the calm down, I can even come back later if we have time on energy management and what that looks like. In regards to motivation, this is another one that's really fun to get people involved. You know, what motivates people? What motivates you? How do you motivate others? And we can start to look at motivation in a few different ways. One way is we can look at intrinsic motivation. So a lot of research done was saying people need to feel competent. They need to feel a sense of autonomy and relatedness. So competence means, hey, I believe in my ability to do this job, to do this task. Autonomy, I'm doing something because I want to do it. And I have a funny little clip on autonomy is, I remember visiting my parents you know, for the holidays and seeing the trash and thinking, oh, I should take out the trash, that'd be nice. And before I could do that, my mom says, hey, Jeremy, take out the trash. All of a sudden, I don't want to do it. <laughs> so <laughs> like, true. <laughs> And it's just like a really simple example, but that's just a little glimpse of autonomy. When it was my idea, I'm like, I'm so nice. How would I? And the second she mentions it, which of course I should be the good son. I should do that. Like there's no question. I still did it. But there's that moment of, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah. And the relatedness, like, can I belong to this group? Am I offering value within this group? Uh, and we have those senses. And then we, that can really expand motivation and consider intrinsic motivation. And intrinsic motivation just means that the task itself is inherently enjoyable. There's no other reason to do it besides the fact that I wanna do it. You think about kids playing, they're just playing. There's no other purpose, they're just playing. It's just fun. Some of our hobbies, the things that we like to do, it's just fun. I like watching sports. I spend hours and hours watching sports. No one tells me to do that, but yet I do it. I just like it. It's what I enjoy to do. Unfortunately, life isn't just what we want to do. <laughs> there's a lot of other things. And even in business, there's the parts we love and the parts we need to do. And then we look 
towards extrinsic sources. And even here, we have a little bit of a continuum. One of the most classic ones is rewards and punishment. And we know this is very classic. You do this and you'll get this reward. Name the reward, time off, money, ice cream, just depends on the person and what, what the task is. Or punishment, hey, if you don't do it, this is gonna happen. It's like, oh no, I don't want that to happen. Uh, and again, that, whether that's kids or you know, employees or you know, yourself, uh, it doesn't really matter. So we know those are classic examples. As we start to navigate towards more of an internal source though, we see shame and guilt. We as humans do not like feeling shame or guilt. It's not comfortable, it's not fun. It's like, ugh, I don't wanna feel this way. So I don't like it at all. And I will often do things so that I don't feel shame or guilt. Oh, I better return that phone call because of this guilt or I better get this done because I feel guilty I've put it off for so long or oh, there's a sense of shame. Like, oh, geez, you know, it took me so long to do it. I better get it done now. For both of those categories, those are more on the instrumental, meaning if you add in those sources, action will take place. You take away, action ceases. So we, the sustainability is not very high over time. At some point, we don't care. At some point, the punishment doesn't matter. At some point, the reward doesn't matter. At some point, the shame and guilt doesn't matter. We give in to it. And I remember, since I already talked about being a kid once, I guess I'm in that frame of mind. I remember one time talking back, you know, getting in trouble. And it's like, at this point, I'm so deep. I'm going to say my piece and just deal with it. I don't even care, which is just, you know, it's just one of those examples that it just doesn't matter. It's not a motivator. But we can look to shift towards more powerful motivators. If, and this is really over time, right? So the others can be good for one quick moment of motivation, but over time, it's not going to be as effective. So now, though, if we look to consider the value of the behavior, like by doing this behavior, like good things are going to happen. Like, Maybe I'm making those cold calls because like that's going to lead to business. Like I don't want to do it, but it's going to lead to business. And like, that's a great thing. So I got to do it. And that's what I care about. It's the business, the thrive, it, that be my own boss, that aspect comes alive. And you can see how that's inherently going to be more powerful over time compared to the other two areas. And then finally, we come to self-identity. Who are you at your core? These are your core values that represent who you are at your core, the things that drive you. If you can tap into your core values and leverage your core values in whatever you're trying to do, you will be more motivated. Matter of fact, you will have less anxiety. You will have more effort and persistence. You will have more satisfaction. You'll have more of this something called being in flow, which I could talk for days on being in flow. Uh, if I have time to come back to that, I'll, I'll hit on it. But you can also have more autonomy. You're doing it because you want to do it. And that is the most powerful like, means of motivating for yourself, getting yourself to do anything or getting others to do things. And what's great is that someone else can have more positive emotion. They're going to be happier. They're going to feel more at home in their skin and, and more enjoyable to be around. It's a win-win on all accounts if we can tap into that. It just takes uh, some more effort from time to time. Yeah, it truly does. And and you know, happiness is found within. It's not it's not something that is an external 
factor. So I definitely feel like learning all these principles of, of our inner game, you know, uh, is so important to making sure we're creating a life that we love and that we're in a state of happiness. So that that's awesome. So uh, talk to me a little bit about this resilience that you teach in, uh, to, to soldiers in the military. I mean, it, resilience seems very central to everything that they do. And I feel like sometimes, especially after this, uh, whole pandemic situation, I feel like we are in a little bit of a war, a little bit of a spiritual war, a mental and emotional game of war. And so talk to us a little bit about resilience and, and maybe some things that we can start practicing or, uh, shift our perspective on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's that mental, emotional, spiritual war, and frankly, the longest war in our history, uh, still going on. And I think sometimes we forget about that and it's interesting to just realize, oh yeah, that's taking place and how impactful that is, um, on so many people. Uh, so luckily in our program, there's some collaboration with the University of Pennsylvania and Dr. Karen Ravich and developing this amazing program along with so many other collaborators. And essentially with resilience and how uh, we look to you know, get after it, it's bouncing back and thriving from adversity. And it's interesting when you say thrive, not just survive. Because mm-hmm. right? like surviving, it can be powerful. Like you have to get by. But thriving, that's that next level. Like, hey, things are going great now. It's not just bouncing back, but are you willing to take calculated necessary risk? Which can be hard. It can be very challenging to put yourself out there. And yet, as so many entrepreneurs know, like if you do, the rewards can be tremendous. And how you define success is going to be up to you, whether that's monetary or you know, freedom, so many different ways. And sometimes you might not succeed, but it's still a great experience because you learn things. You, you had this willingness to say, hey, I'll try. I'll see what I can do. And when we think about resilience, and, and I think just like the self-motivation, the self-determination theory I mentioned is we can get to the research, but yeah, it's the common sense blending. That's really great. It's like, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, when we think about resilience, it's like, am I aware of what I'm thinking? Am I aware of how I'm feeling emotionally? Am I aware of what I'm doing? And if I'm aware of those things, can I change it? Can I regulate them to a degree? Because if I can, that's very powerful. It's so much easier said than done. <laughs> Especially once you start to get deeper and deeper in understanding people and all the things that make it hard for us to do that. And then there's optimism. And Dr. Seligman has done so much research on optimism. And people often say, hey, I'm an optimist. I'm a pessimist. I'm a realist. Now, you're a person is what you are. <laughs> we have thinking styles. And people say, I'm a realist. Well, optimism should be wed to reality. And when we talk about it, that's exactly the case. If it's you know, how people typically use it, a lot of times that's pessimistic thinking, which we know pessimistic thinkers might under or overestimate the amount of control they have. They might not see new creative strategies. They might give up easily compared to seeking new opportunities. Whereas optimistic thinkers are going to be more creative, are going to be uh, more satisfied with their lives. They're going to have less hopelessness and helplessness. They're going to have better relationships, better sleep, better performance, better 
like lives, better relationships. It's just crazy powerful. And that's just how you view the world again. So this constant theme of, hey, how am I viewing the world really matters. And then mental agility, can I look at something from a different lens? Can I see something from a different lens? Which it seems to be challenging these days. Uh, you know, if you just scroll through social media, it's, it's hey, it's either this one way or this other way, and hey, people are just falling in line, and that's it. And that can be unfortunate, and that's overgeneralization, right? This, if I had the data, there's obviously others as well, but it's just a reminder to say, can I empathize with someone? Can I truly put myself in someone else's shoes? It can be hard, but oh, it can be powerful to see that perspective. And then the last two aspects are understanding that we all have strengths in us. And there's something, there's this work on character strengths. And it's something called the Values in Action Institute. And there's these 24 character strengths determined through this incredible research across culture and across time, what character strengths make up the best of people. And you can look to identify what are your signature character strengths. These character strengths make up you at your core. And when you leverage them, you can overcome obstacles more effectively. You will have more energy throughout the day. You will feel more like in tune to yourself. And it's just incredibly powerful. And then finally, the last one, uh, we're not alone. Other people matter. Humans are social creatures. And are you appreciating and cultivating relationships? Because my goodness, what a rich world it can be if you do that. So those are some competencies of our resilience program that again, so many researchers uh, put time and effort into developing. And it's just truly uh, amazing what that can do for you uh, as you start to live those things. And uh, often people say, hey, I've been doing this, but now I have language. I'm like, great. That's the whole key is be more purposeful. And a lot of times as you live life, you develop things over time, but you can be a little bit more effective and purposeful from moment to moment. Yeah, completely true. Now I wanted to back up a little bit and talk a little bit about the the character strengths. I mean, there's so many things that you said that were so interesting, but is the, is the research that um, you're teaching, is, is that kind of like the Clifton strengths finders? Like there's certain traits that like, you know, as a collective, you know, humanity, we all possess and, you know, you have these top ones and this other person has these other top ones. Is that kind of what you're learning? So unfortunately, I, I, I'm naive to the one that you mentioned, so I can't speak too yeah, well on no that. The one that I'm familiar with is basically a team of 55 researchers, like set out to find these strengths. And they looked at numerous religious texts. They looked at children's books, folk tales, music. They looked at some of my favorite ones. Oh, I'll come back to it. They looked at like obituaries, tattoos, graffiti. They looked at uh, Pokemon cards, which cracks me up. Uh, Harry Potter, they looked at. So basically they looked at so many things across the board and they had to relate across culture and across time. And they had to uh, be independent of each other as in, they couldn't be bleeding over. They had to stand alone um, as a strength in itself. And it had to be something that people aspire to. And there's a handbook. It's, it's like uh, 800 some pages. It's a massive handbook of, of how they came about this research and of all the 24 character strengths and, and what they represent. And what's nice is 
there is a survey that you can go through uh, authentic happiness and you can find the values in action survey. It's reliable over time, meaning that um, there's other things in regards to some personality stuff that's a little different where it'll change depending on when you take it. This is pretty consistent. Like I've taken it seven years ago, like halfway through and a couple years since. And my signature character traits are the same. They might move a slot or two, but it's like, that's who I am. And that's really powerful when you consider it. Hey, it's going to be consistent over time. Now, if I was really looking to make some changes in my life or has some real significant life events, then naturally some things can be changed. And some character strengths we know based on research, we can deliberately change. Whereas other ones like, like so like self-regulation and hope and optimism, those are two that we know we could change. We know if research says we can develop those. Humor and playfulness is like, maybe, um, you know, someone might try to be more humorous, but you're like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> like it didn't really work, which I'm glad you laughed at that because that's one of my signature strengths is humor. So I thought I was funny. I'm glad that you did too. <laughs> well, we all know someone who thinks they're a comedian. <laughs> So that's so interesting because, yeah, I mean, in the work that I do with branding and marketing, you know, knowing really what your strengths are and your unique difference is so key to being able to craft a brand that truly stands out and position it in a way that uh, your audience is immediately fascinated by it, you know, that they, they're like, what's that? That's different. You know, it's not a commodity. And we're not commodities, yet we tend to want to focus on all these other areas that maybe we're pretty good at, but our zone of genius is like 0.2% of the whole. So um, I'm always fascinated by uh, different assessments and I've taken all the personality tests. I know what you're talking about, you know, (laughs) how things can change because, you know, on Myers-Briggs, that's probably one of my top favorites, but yeah, sometimes I'm an INTJ, sometimes I'm an INFJ, sometimes I'm an E, an extrovert. And it's like, yeah, it's just, it just changes. But the character strengths, I mean, that's, you're talking about your soul's DNA right there. And what's like powerful is like for me, uh, just a quick example of then how it, you know, relates to other people. You know, I, I took it and I saw, you know, curiosity and interest in the world is one of my signature character strengths and it was like oh no wonder I acted the way I did I had gone to see some friends in Germany and I was like a toddler I was like what's that what's this what's that what's that what's this and I remember apologizing I'm like I'm sorry guys like I don't know why like uh, you know I don't know why I can't keep that to myself you know I'm sorry like it's just crazy I just get so curious and then you take this and you go oh this is like, that makes so much sense. I am that guy. And now it's like, I know me better and I can leverage that better. Mm -hmm. And whether I learn something or doing something I don't want to do, I can leverage curiosity. And all of a sudden now it's much more enjoyable. And so when you think about, you know, people, if you have a team, what if you knew the signature strengths of everyone? What if you saw people Mm -hmm. through a lens of strengths? Why, why do they do that? That's not what I would do. Well, maybe they're leveraging the best of themselves. How can you cultivate that? How can you leverage that? Mm-hmm. And then if it's just you uh, making sales calls or doing the technical aspect or doing you know, a keynote, you can pull upon these signature character strengths and each of those are going to feel more rewarding. 
you're going to feel more like yourself. You're going to be better at them because you're bringing the best you forward. And it's just in crazy powerful when you start to really tap into it more and more. It really is. It's a good way to build a, a very strong and cohesive team too, because if you're playing to everyone's strengths, instead of like wishing someone had a certain strength, you know, you're going to, you're going to have su- such bigger results and you're going to appreciate your team more. You're going to appreciate yourself more. And I feel like self-discovery and having self-awareness is, is so important in being a leader. Because uh, the more self-aware you are, the more connected you are with yourself, the more connected you can be to other people, including your team and your customers. And you're just, you're going to be more aligned to everyone around you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And when you layer that in now with some other stuff we talked about, if Mm. I have really solid core values for this organization that align with me as an entrepreneur, now I have this alignment. I'm more motivated. If I have other employees, I, their alignment as well. But then we're all operating with our strengths together. Mm-hmm. And if we have this environment of growth and development and teamwork, now all of a sudden you're changing. It's not just work. Like it, it, This is a fun experience to be a part of. And everyone gets to bring their best selves day in and day out. And it's going to mitigate so many possible you know, like issues that could arise. And you get instead more positive emotion, more autonomy, more creativity, less anxiety, like this, the benefits as you start to layer these things just start to just explode. Yeah. And I'm sitting here watching you with the background of the Golden Gate Bridge behind you. And it's like so metaphorical to me right now, because it's like, it's a bridge with everything <laughs> that you're teaching. It's a bridge, right? It's a, it's a way that we can connect with ourselves and, and with humanity, uh, to motivate ourselves and each other to build a better world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so many, so many ways you could take that metaphor. And I, I appreciate that. I was like, Oh, that's, that's some good stuff right there. I, absolutely. I think you're spot on. Yeah. Well, this has been so great. So I'd love for you to tell uh, the audience how they can learn more about you and what it is that you do as well as um, we can also put, any links in the show notes. So including that really cool, was it authentic happiness was the assessment for the character? Yeah, that's a website, authentic happiness. Yeah, we'll put that in there too. Values in action. And then after you're done with that, just roll right into your final thought, your final negative wisdom for us. All right. So uh, you can find me on, on Twitter, uh, Jeremy W. Richter. And also there's a website called RAR Learning. R-A-W-R learning.com just has a massive reading list that Buddy and I have accumulated the last decade and a half, plus some blogs and other resources, just a a chance to learn things, nothing more than that. So there's ways to to reach out or even on LinkedIn, just send me a message and I'll be glad to connect with people. And I think the last thing to, to leave with is something that, you know, came up during grad school. And I'll, I'll explain it and what it truly means is uh, it says, be a love cat. And it's a, it's a funny phrase. And it means to be an energy, uh, be an energy giver, not an energy sucker. And some people look to just kind of take the life out of a room, take the life out of people. And that's not fun. So instead, just be a love cat means just put positive vibes into the world, bring positive vibes to each other, look to help each other out. 
you know, be fun to be around, be kind, be helpful, be nice. And that's where the website RAR is kind of like uh, what I used to write on my buddy's papers when I help him edit. I'm like, RAR, like you've been love catching. <laughs> and so you can see that kind of full uh, circle there. And, um, so just, you know, be a love cat, be nice to each other, be helpful, bring good vibes. I hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please subscribe and leave a like, comment, and or review. Every interaction, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform, helps this podcast to reach more people like you. Thank you for tuning in to the Higher Genius Podcast.